As I start, I have a bit of a confession to make. Um, I am a total Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. Um, I'm one of those people who just has too much Christmas. Uh, working for the church, we have those two intensive months running in uh, where we have so much planning, we have all the Christmas events, and so by the time I'm actually home for Christmas, on Christmas Day with my family, I'm just, I'm done. Like, I, I don't, really, don't really want to do any of the festivities, don't want to see all the family. Um, they're, they're lovely, it was, it was really nice, but... Um, but it was around that time this Christmas when I first looked at the passage for tonight. Um, and to be really honest, I was really disappointed to see that I was going to be preaching on a bit more of Christmas. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me, please. Um, but then when I was reading through the passage, I had a bit of an epiphany. Uh, see what I did? Tonight's epiphany. Great. Um, <laughs> so there is real significance um, in the arrival of the Magi. This isn't the less important outro to the Christmas story or a side point that Matthew thinks is really interesting, so he drops it into his gospel. It's not to give children's nativities that extra few characters to fill in for the rest of the class or to provoke arguments for thousands of years later about how many magi they were and if they were wise or if they were kings or what their names were. There is real significance in the arrival of the magi because of who it is they have come to see. They've come to see the baby Jesus, the Christ child, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, God incarnate, Emmanuel. So as I read and reread the passage, I realized, actually, I hadn't had enough of the baby Jesus for this year. And I want to share that with you this evening. So if you would, um, at the end of your pews, there are these uh, service sheets. Um, Do grab one, um, the passage is on there, and I will read We're reading from Matthew 2, uh, from the start of the chapter. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Shall we pray as I begin tonight? Let's pray. Father God, would you come now? Would you speak to us all through your word? And may the words that I speak, may they be from you, may they be of you, and may they be glorifying to you now. Draw us closer to you to recognize who this child is and how we should respond to him. In Jesus' name, amen.
So why have you come here tonight? What is it that you have come for? Maybe you have come here because this is your church family, or maybe you're a visitor here tonight. Maybe you have come for the worship, or the fresh coffee, or the sermon. Maybe you're not entirely sure why you are here. Whatever reason you have for being here, firstly, you're so welcome, and we're really excited that you're here. But also, I hope that you find something that's something that's more life-giving than the coffee as well. So first, to the Magi. I think that's how you say it. I'm just going to say it like Magi, but there we go. Um, Mystical men from the east, journeying far and wide, following a star, bringing expensive gifts to a small village in the middle of nowhere for a newborn baby. The more I've thought about this story, the more ridiculous it is, the more bizarre it is. Um, That's such a central story to the Christmas and the, the Christian faith. And it's been retold with many misguiding facts over the years. Facts like there were definitely only three magi, and they were definitely wise, and they were definitely men, and they definitely had unusual names like Belteshazzar, and they definitely arrived while Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were still in the stable only a few days after Jesus was born. None of those facts are in the passage tonight. And I'm less interested in where they've come from, but why they have traveled so far from the Far East. We know they've traveled from another country. It tells us that in verse 12 in the passage. So why have they come that far? When I was 15, um, I went on a school trip with about 50 other people in my school, and we went to Norway. We went into the countryside in the middle of Norway, and we walked around a mountain ridge for two and a half weeks um, for no other reason than we could. Um, Through the snow, through the ice, through the gales, through the cold, up huge mountains... It doesn't really sound very appealing right now, but um, it was totally worth it. It was an amazing experience. But there was no real reason for going. We weren't going to find something or to get something. We were just going exploring. But the Magi did have a reason to go on their traveling. They didn't just travel cross-continent because they could. So what reason did the Magi have for making the long journey to Jerusalem? Why did they set off in the first place? What did they know? Who were they coming for? So the Magi have come for the baby. They're coming to see a newborn, a baby. They've traveled far and wide for a baby. It would be understandable if it was their nephew or their niece or their grandchild that they're coming to see. But this baby wasn't any of those things for the Magi. They were so unconnected to this child that they had no idea where it actually was at all. They were ridiculously following a star. They didn't even have Google Maps or anything like that. They were Gentiles, and this baby was a Jew. They had no idea that when they reached the baby that they'd actually be allowed anywhere near it. But they do know one thing. They know who this baby is, and they know, therefore, that they must go and see him. On their arrival in Jerusalem, they ask this question, which you'll find in verse 2. It says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. They know who the newborn is. They know the prophecies of old, uh, which tell of who this baby is. Not any old baby, but the baby who is born into a God-given title, king of the Jews. A baby who is king, who will rule a kingdom, a people, God's people. This is who the Magi have come to worship 
They've come to worship the Messiah. This baby was to be the long-awaited, God-anointed ruler, come to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. But unfortunately for Jesus, there already was a king of the Jews. King Herod thought that he was the king of the Jews. He had held that position in Judea for many years. It says in the passage in verse 3 that Herod was disturbed when he found out the Magi were looking for the king of the Jews, and it wasn't him. He saw a threat to his rule, to his authority, to him. As far as he was concerned, he was the king of the Jews, no one else. And so in order to silence this threat to his rule, Herod goes to his chief priests to ask where he may find them, the Messiah. But he only asks the question, where? There are no other questions. Not who, not why, not how. Herod doesn't care who this child really is, only that it poses a a threat to him. And then the chief priests do reply, and they give him the answer that he wants. And they quote from the prophet Micah, and we see that in verse 6 in our passage. It says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they tell Herod exactly what he wants to know, that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem in Judah, from within Herod's own kingdom. But what they don't tell Herod is the rest of the prophecy about this child. If they had told Herod uh, the rest of Micah 5, verse 2, they would have said, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, great word, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So Micah tells us that this child is God given to earth, begotten, not created, as the carol goes. Micah says the Messiah's origins are from of old, from ancient times. They are from the beginning, from times before there was time, before there was anything. John says the same thing at the start of his gospel. Uh, He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. This is who the Messiah is. This is who this baby is. Jesus didn't come into being 2,000 odd years ago in Bethlehem. He has always been fully divine. 2,000 years ago, he became fully human as well as fully divine. His origins are from of old. Many people say today that they struggle to believe in the miracles of Jesus or that one man's death could really deal with all our sin or that Jesus rose from the dead. But all of those difficulties stem from the most remarkable claim of all that this baby born in the manger was fully God as well as fully human. So this is the reason the Magi have for making the long journey. They know who they're coming to see. They're coming to see the long-awaited God-anointed ruler. But the Magi have not just come for the baby. They have come for the Messiah. So then we must ask, who's the Messiah come for? Why has this baby arrived now? Yes, he's come to serve God, but God's focus is on his people. And therefore, how will the Messiah, this baby, complete God's mission to bring his kingdom to his people? Again, the chief priests have already hinted at this. Um, when they quote Micah, they quote a bit from Micah 5, verse 4. He says, they say, he is the Messiah who will shepherd God's people, Israel. But again, they've only said exactly what Herod wanted to hear. 
they've not filled in the gaps in between. The whole of Micah 5 verse 4 reads, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. The Messiah has come for his people. He will stand and shepherd his flock, that's his people. He has come not to rule with an iron fist, but to shepherd his people under the authority of God, in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Now, we've learned, we can learn a little bit about what shepherds do, about how they care through King David. David had been the shepherd boy um, who'd gone off to fight Goliath. And so he had first-hand experience of what it was like to be a shepherd. But we also see in Psalm 23 that David knew God as the shepherd in his life. Psalm 23 starts, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. The psalm's all about what God the shepherd will do for his people. He guides, he leads, he refreshes. He is with them. And he will do this all the days of their lives. He will teach them and love them and care for them. That is the shepherd who has come to earth as the Messiah, this baby. So who comes under the banner of being one of God's people, one of the flock? Well, Micah tells us that it's not just the Jews, as had been up to that point. Even those at the ends of the earth, every single person now has the opportunity to become one of God's children. They too can know the greatness of the caring, loving shepherd who rules over the earth if they come to know him as their Messiah. And the Magi have realized this, that even as Gentiles, they belong to this shepherd, this baby who is the Messiah. So the Messiah has come for his people, but why? Again, Micah has the answer. Um, He says, so they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. God's people will live securely because of the way he shepherds them. They will be taught how to live securely by the shepherd, by the Messiah. And that's not by learning lots of different difficult life hacks. That's you learning to live in the security that comes from living within the flock. Learning to live as part of God's kingdom learning to live in the faith that God is with them, learning to live like that because they are one of God's people. They are one of his family and they can know and have a close relationship with him. So the Magi have come for the baby. They've come for the Messiah. And the Messiah has come for his people, for us. But why have you come? Why have you come to church tonight? What, what has drawn you in to come and hear from God's word? What do you think God is trying to say to you tonight? Now, the passage gives us a couple of ideas of, of why we might come or how we might respond to God. And we see them through three different people, through the chief priests, through Herod, and through the Magi. I've got a nice alliteration for you as well, which is always fun. Um, so the chief priests, they are oblivious to the Messiah, They don't respond at all. When Herod comes to ask them where the Messiah is to be born, they answer, but then they just seemingly return to their day-to-day activities. They recite the exact bit of scripture that Herod requires, avoiding those little bits around the outside that he doesn't want. So they they know those bits as well. They know who this child is. 
but they just ignore it. They, they, didn't, they didn't get it. They just return to exactly what they were doing. They're too caught up in their legalistic religion that even though they know the answer, they don't do anything about it. Maybe tonight you need reminding that that baby Jesus is the Messiah who has come to earth for the sake of everyone. Now, over the Christmas time, as I said before, it gets quite busy here at church. Um, you can get a bit of a Christmas overload um, with all the different services and stuff. Um, and I find during the Christmas time that I often become a little bit oblivious to, um, to the real meaning of Christmas. I really lose the focus on the baby Jesus. Maybe you find that too. Maybe other stuff gets in the way, the Christmas trees, the mulled wine, all that kind of stuff. But by remembering that Jesus, the Messiah, came to earth as a child for you and for me, that is life-changing, and it changes the way we can engage with Christmas. Obviously, next year, but um, yeah. So the chief priests were oblivious. Herod was outraged by the Messiah. That's what verse 3 says. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. He was outraged. He saw a threat to his authority as king, and he plotted against the baby Jesus. He secretly speaks to the Magi, asking for all the information on where this baby was to be born. And later on in the chapter, he orders that all the babies, all the boys in Bethlehem under the age of two are killed. Herod was so concerned about himself that he totally misunderstood who the Messiah was and why he had come. And maybe tonight, maybe up to this point, you have been just like Herod. Maybe you feel uncomfortable with Jesus and the implications of what it would be for him to be king of your life. Hopefully tonight you have seen that there is an invitation for everyone. There's an invitation for the Magi. There's an invitation for you to come before the Messiah. So the chief priests, they were oblivious. Herod was outraged, and the Magi were overjoyed. Three O's, that's great. (laughs) Um, Verses 9 and 10, if we read those again. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So when the Magi find the baby Jesus, the Messiah, they were overjoyed. Seeing and knowing Jesus brings joy. When you fully recognize and understand that this baby is the one foretold by prophets hundreds of years ago, of a time before time began, that he would come and he would come and rule the earth as a loving, caring shepherd. You can know what the, ma- the joy that the Magi knew. And maybe tonight you need reassuring that you can live securely in God by knowing Jesus as the Messiah who shepherds his flock. I find that I feel secure in my faith when I'm, when I'm at church or when I'm around other Christians. But as soon as I go out into the world, away from the flock, to friends, to family who aren't Christians... I'm less secure in my faith. Um, I'm easily swayed into thinking or saying or doing things I shouldn't or ignoring insulting remarks about God or about my faith. But being reminded that I live because of the greatness of Jesus and not because of my helpless actions, that encourages me to live securely in my faith, to know the joy that comes with knowing the Messiah. And what does that joy lead to? Verse 11 says... On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. In their joy, the Magi do the only thing that they know to do. 
And when they come into the presence of the Messiah, they bow down and they worship him. And it is their joy to do that. It is their joy to worship Jesus, to bow at his feet and to praise God, to give him that which he deserves, that sacrificial worship, the sacrifice of the ridiculous journey that they made just to bow at the feet of a child, the sacrifice of those extravagant gifts they bring for a child, the sacrifice of being men of great honor bowing at the feet of a child. The Magi are the only group of the three in this passage who really know who this baby is. And they respond in the most fitting way by bowing down and worshiping him. So tonight, how do we respond? What are we going to do about this? Are we going to live oblivious to who the Messiah is and why he came to earth? Are we going to live outraged by who the Messiah is and why he came to earth? Or are we going to choose to live overjoyed by who the Messiah is and why he came to earth? We're very fortunate as well to know the rest of the story. We have the blessing of hindsight. We know the life this baby lived. We know the death he suffered, bearing all of our sin on the cross. And the resurrection he won, defeating death and rising from the grave. But we know it all started with this baby. And we've seen how we should respond to him. The Magi came for the baby. They bowed down and worshipped him. And the Messiah came for his people. He laid down his life for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that you came as a child, both fully human and fully divine. Help us to recognize you, this child, um, as being the Messiah, as being our Messiah. And for those of us who are living oblivious to Jesus, like the chief priests were, help us to truly see who you are. And for those of us who are living outraged that Jesus is the Messiah, just like Herod was, help us to lift our eyes from ourselves. Help us to take the focus off ourselves. And may that focus go on Jesus. Help us all to know that joy that Magi knew when they came before the Christ child, that he is the Messiah, come to lay down his life for each and every one of us.